0: we must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome. And thank you so much for being here. Yes, what are we doing today? This is our, oh, goodness, so many words in my mind right now. Hang on, give me one minute and I will tell you exactly what we're doing here. This is our Stay by the Tree webinar series, Messages of Hope, right? I think I said that pretty okay. I had it all written down, but I forgot to like look at it before I pressed record. So my brain didn't follow what I was thinking. Yes, I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the director and founder of Mothers You Know. And I'm grateful today to be with you and so thankful that you are here. This is such a powerful such a special place. And we hope that you will enjoy Rosalind Geertsen today and her presentation. I've been impressed as I've thought about the title of her presentation, that healing is such a part of mortality, right? That there's lots of healing to be done. And and that heartache. There's a lot of heartache in healing. And that, yeah. So, one of the things that just to share with you as we get started, I just want to tell you our motto and our theme in Mothers Who Know. Because we strive to be and help each other be and support this really connected place of women in all the different resources we have. We try to be women who stay in the spirit God gave us. And to remember that we are mothers who know women who know that our Savior saves things and that that's His work. And so our motto is stay by the tree because it's a reminder of the passion that we have for remembering that we fight with Him and for Him in the work that we do here in mortality. And in that, we are strengthened in our theme in Mothers, you know. Our theme in Mothers, you know, is 2 Timothy 1 7. And it is, it just teaches us all about kind of Rosalind's, when, with her title, Second Timothy 1 7, you know, talks about heaven's help. It talks about how literally our heavenly parents created us to heaven. This spirit, the spirit they gave us. And so we, we read in Second Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so that's what staying by the tree, fighting with and for Jesus Christ in any stretchy thing that we're experiencing in our life, um, helps us to do, to, to remember the spirit God gave us. But because there's a lot of heartache and a lot of healing to be done, we don't always stay in that spirit. It's part of mortality to to get better at remembering that spirit and staying in it so that we can support God's work with a spirit of love and power and having a sound mind. So thanks for being with us today. I'm going to turn the time over to BJ. She's the co-host in this meeting and has some announcements and things for us. I'm so grateful for her and for her presence. And i really so grateful for Rosalind and her sweet influence in my life and so grateful that she's here today.
1: BJ? Yeah, thank you, Karen. I agree, and I love how you got us started today. All right, so today's message of hope is by Rosalind Giersten, and the title is "Heartbreak to Healing with Heaven's Help." And we're going to have Debbie, one of our Mothers Who Know team members, to introduce her today. And so, Debbie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna
2: let you take it away to share. I'm so excited to introduce Rosalind today. She is one of my most favorite people in the whole world. She, it will get me emotional, she is one who is led by the Spirit. And when I met Rosalind, I definitely came to her with heartbreak. And she is just a beautiful soul. So you are going to love her today. And you are going to be so excited when you leave that you were here to Feel the spirit and hear the wisdom and the words that she has to say. Rosalind Romney Reynolds-Gearson is a certified Eternal Warriors mentor and life coach working with women, youth, and families. She helps others in preventing addiction and building self-mastery. She is a grief recovery coach and mentors others in creating a new life after tragedy. Rosalind and her late husband are the parents of seven children. She and her current husband have a blended family. Both widowed, they found and married each other. With his two children adding to her seven, together they have nine children. Their most recent grandbaby, born this summer, brought the number to 24 grandchildren. So beautiful. Here's a beautiful picture of Roslyn's family all those cute little ones. We love to see these families, Rosalind. So beautiful. So she's also an author of the book, Solo, Getting It All Together When You Find Yourself Alone. It's a financial, emotional, and spiritual guidebook with helps about responding to grief and providing compassionate insight into the details that need to be faced as one rebuilds a life. Rosalind writes about how with faith in God, a friend, and new purpose, solo, life can be full of beauty, fulfillment, and hope. And I believe also that there's so many different ways where we lose loved ones. And sometimes it's, they haven't necessarily graduated to be on this earth. But there's so many helps and hints and direction in that for all of us. Rosalind is often featured on the podcast, Like Dragons, Did They Fight?, sharing her insights, coaching, and wisdom. It's an awesome podcast. I invite you to go listen to her. She's awesome there. Rosalind has also been commissioned by Maurice Harker to write the female-friendly version of Like Dragons, Did They Fight?, And as you know, that book is one that was originally written written for those who are struggling with pornography. And if you take out the word pornography and input anything that applies to you, the book is so incredible. But now we're going to get the female version, which is going to make it even better for us women who are going through our own walks of life. You can connect and find out more about Rosalind at this website, www.heartbreaktohealing.com, or email her and you can see her email. One thing I suggest is if you're looking at that, you could take a picture of that slide with your phone, but it will also be in the chat and also it'll be in the resource letter that we'll send out on Thursday. So don't get caught up. If you think you missed something, we'll make sure you get it.
0: Um, And let's just say it out loud. So it'll be on the recording.
2: The email is roslyn, R-O-S-L-Y-N dot R-R at gmail.com. All right, Roslyn, we're going to turn the time over to you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and then just lead us along in your presentation. I'm so excited that you're here.
3: Okay, thank you so much. I just first, I want to thank Luann and Karen and BJ and Debbie as they've helped me so much as I prepared for today. They've been so patient and helpful as I figured things out. I'm thankful for technology, but it baffles me. And so they've been very helpful. I'm also grateful for all of you who've chosen to attend today because I believe that it shows that you have faith that the things that you do and the things that you want to learn make a difference and you're willing to sacrifice to learn and to receive the miracles and the help that you're seeking. I never really thought I would present again. I presented years ago and I was ready to retire, <laughs> just be a mom and a wife and a grandma, that sounded really good to me, but, oh, I, especially when I went To a venue and i was asking how much the admittance fee was and this young girl looked at me with a big smile and she told me she said oh but you'll get the senior discount of course and that was just that was so defeating to me i just thought do i look that old and i guess i do (laughs) i hated it but okay there it is but so i thought i was pretty done and but i'm learning the lord has plans for us that we cannot comprehend and over the past year He's opened doors and he's opened space in my heart for the thought that maybe there's other things he wants me to do and things that are uncomfortable and not what I had in mind. But because of that hymn, I'll go where you want me to go, that hymn has just been playing in my mind this year. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'm going to trust him because who else would I trust? Certainly not my own ideas. So I'm grateful that he's letting me have some some part in his battalion. I want to be on his team, and I'm glad that he thinks I'm not too old yet. So first, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. There was a time when I felt pretty useless. I had seven children that I loved deeply, and I tried my best to nurture them in the ways of the Lord, but... When they continually quarreled or when they didn't listen to my counsel and my instructions, I felt like a total failure. And I couldn't understand why my husband seemed to be getting less and less happy in our marriage and no matter what I did, it didn't change it. And I thought, okay, I'm a failure there too. And for me to have peace, I need some order in my surroundings, but at that point, I I couldn't keep up with the children and keep the home neat. And so there I was failing again. And I kept thinking of the hymn, Sweet is the Peace the Gospel Brings. And I thought, where's that peace? I just wasn't feeling it. And although I was trying to live the gospel and teach it to my children, I I didn't feel the peace and I felt like I was a total failure and I considered myself, I even told my sister-in-law once, I'm just damaged goods. And I was, I realize now I was living in a state of continual unresolved grief. Thankfully, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm so, so grateful. I've come to see why I was feeling those feelings and how Satan used my circumstances to convince me that I was a failure, and that I was useless, and that I was damaged. But I'm going to share the screen now. This is how I want to help you see how the adversary works in your life, and more importantly, how Heavenly Father and the Savior are working in your life to help you. And what a blessing it is to have the Spirit of God with you so that you can see through the adversary's lies and know the truth about you in your life no matter what's going on around you so as i begin i invite you to just take a moment and take a deep breath i have to do this often and just release as you exhale release any stress or any tension that you're feeling right now so that you can just be present and present to the spirit not so much to what i say whatever the Spirit has to teach you or to share with you today. I remember President Kimball's wife, Camilla, used to say about things that were bothering you, just put it on a shelf. Just be present and put those things on the shelf and they'll they'll resolve. Answers will come. And so that's what I'm hoping we can do today. My goal today is basically three things. I'm hoping to help you feel renewed faith in the Savior Jesus Christ and in the cleansing, healing power of his atonement, which faith can help you feel hopeful and capable and strong, like that scripture that was quoted earlier. I'm hoping to help you know that you are loved and that know that in your heart and your soul and that God is aware of you and is sending help through the atonement of Jesus Christ which I have learned is a real power that we can call on for help and strength. And I'm hoping that you'll do something, that you'll choose one of the tools that we talk about that can help you to begin today to improve your life. So I was invited to speak about grief, and that's not a very popular topic. But I love speaking about grief because I believe we all grieve continually. There are so many opportunities in life to grieve all through our lives, and we need to know how to do it. I'm going to share a little bit about four of my journeys with grief. But first, I want to just talk about grief for a second. So here's a definition, one of my favorite ones. This is from Deanna Edwards. She wrote a book called Breathing the Pain and the Promise. And if you have your form printed up, this is one of the things you can fill in. She says, grief is our emotional physical spiritual and intellectual response to loss it is the overwhelming involvement of all of our senses to deprivation so loss and deprivation something we had before is gone it can be the loss of a child or a spouse it could be a just real not just it can be a relationship it can be a dream or an expectation that we've lost It can be a feeling of peace or hope. It can be the loss of health, an injury or a development in your body that changes your life dramatically. It can be the loss of a home or a belonging. We can grieve the loss of our confidence and our peace when we can't fix something that we've done that has caused someone pain. We can grieve because we don't have power to fix something that's going terribly wrong. We can grieve in spite of something that's actually a good thing a child leaving to go to college or on a mission and the hole that that leaves in your life. We can grieve anything that we had and we don't have anymore. So I invite you, if you have your form on that or just on a piece of paper in a journal, to write right now something that you might be grieving today or something that you could have grieved and haven't done so yet that needs to be grieved. So I'm going to give you like 10 seconds. Okay, so add to that list if more things come. You've probably heard about the grieving process and that there are stages or phases of grieving. Here's a list, but know that every person grieves differently based on their life experience and on their state of mind when the loss happens. And people may go through the stages or phases in a different order, or you might feel you skipped one entirely. But these are the things that are associated with the grieving experience. Shock, denial, numbness, confusion, emotional release, anger, guilt, depression and isolation, and then recovery and acceptance. So look at what you wrote about maybe what you're grieving. And do you remember feeling any of those things associated with your loss? Or are you still in the process? To me, the most powerful thing, truth that comes from this list is knowing that each of those things is normal and expected and okay to feel. You're not wrong to feel them and you're not going crazy when you do, which I truly thought I was going crazy at one point because I was so confused. I believe we should have been taught these things starting in elementary school. Children have so much to grieve. There's so much change going on that they don't understand. I believe we we should teach them that because then each time we hurt or are deprived of something or someone, we would have known to expect feeling these things and that feeling them was okay and acknowledging them was okay and expressing them was okay and learning the lessons from them. Then healing would come. And we could release all those negative emotions and replace them with peace and hope. And I'm not suggesting that you'll forget and everything will be good like it was before. All I'm saying is that our hearts can heal just like an injury heals. And the scar may remain and tears may fall again and again, but you are able to live and function without that crippling pain. And as we work through the grieving process, I testify that we can come out on the other side able to function and find happiness and even joy in life again i like this poem i walked a mile with pleasure she chatted all the way but left me none the wiser for all she had to say i walked a mile with sorrow and not a word she said said she but oh the things i learned from her when sorrow walked with me and we've all walked with sorrow there's no way i can know what each of you might be grieving or have grieved, but as I share four of my journeys with grief, perhaps you might relate to one or more of these. So first in 1962, I was six years old. I had five older siblings and a little sister and mom was expecting. And my childhood memories are so sparse and I remember so little about those days, but I remember the day dad took mom to the hospital I just assumed it was to have the baby. And a couple of days later, I remember kneeling on the couch looking out the big picture window as Dad helped Mom out of the car, empty handed, and led her silently into the house, down the hall to their bedroom, and closed the door. And I just felt this deep sadness descend on the house. I'm sure one of my older siblings must have said something about what happened, but I don't remember it. And I just have vague memories of a couple days later of this tiny closed casket being brought into the living room and neighbors coming in, hugging my parents. But I was so confused. My little heart was just so heavy. But I didn't dare ask questions because I knew it would just create more sorrow. Okay, my second journey for years, my husband had becoming more and more unhappy and unkind, and I was already grieving the loss of the sweetness in our marriage when twenty seven years into our marriage, I discovered that he was deep into an addiction. And at that point, I just sank into despair. I lost my hope of recovering the marriage and any sense of self-worth because, of course, it was my fault. <laughs> I was a failure. Okay, my third journey was the afternoon when my sweet son came to me traumatized by something that he'd seen that had been left on our computer. And I just grieved the loss of his innocence, I was so mad. And my, my inability to help him recover that, I could never do that. And I was so angry at the world that he had to grow up in, I grieved the loss of his innocence. And lastly. A little while later, my husband and I had celebrated, and he had the three youngest children with him for the day at a hot springs water park. And late in the morning, I received a phone call from his cell phone, and I answered it expecting to hear his voice, but it was my 15-year-old son. And he said, Mom, they're doing CPR on Dad. Can you come now? And I was just so shocked, I thought. Okay, what do I do I need to pack a bag so that I have clothes for him and for me if I have to stay overnight in the hospital and what do I do? But I just had the overwhelming thought that said, just go. So I grabbed my keys, grabbed my purse, and I got in the car. And as I started the 50-mile drive to the hospital where they were, I I called my son back and I said, What happened? And he said that they had been swimming with him in the pool and they would go play on the slides Then they would come back and swim with him. But the last time they came back from the slides, he wasn't in the pool and they saw a crowd on the deck and went over and he was being administered CPR. So I finally got to the hospital and they wouldn't let me in the emergency room with them. And so I waited with the children for what seemed like forever. And then finally the doctor emerged. And he took us in this little room near the emergency room and closed the door. And he said, I'm sorry, but we've done all we can. And he's not responding. And I thought, oh, no, is he going to be paralyzed? Like, uh, what's life going to be like? And the doctor could see I didn't understand. And so finally he just had to say, He's died. And as that reality sank in, I lost the hope of ever fixing the marriage. I lost the hope of a happy family because I knew my children were just all grieving our separation and everything. And I lost hope in the future. So I know each of you have experienced trauma and loss. You understand the pain and the confusion and the guilt, all of it. So how do we find hope and healing from all these lost heart, hopes and the darkness? that grief brings into our lives. So today's title, Hope, Heartbreak to Healing with Heaven's Help is the key. I have found healing with heaven near me because I learned that the atonement of Christ is a real power and he truly is our healer. And today I'll share with you a few ways we can access his help. So after my first husband died, And I started learning about grief and searching for ways to build a life again. Then as I found those things and started employing them, I started feeling hope and healing. And I was encouraged to write a book to help others find those answers. And in my book, I share seven ways to build your hope, your faith, your confidence, and your strength back as you do the grief work. And I'd love to offer you my book, and I'll tell you at the end ways you can get it, but I'll share two of my suggestions here. And the first is you have to grieve. It is no fun, but it's work. It's physically and spiritually and emotionally and intellectually challenging, but it is so worth it. We have to be willing to acknowledge and feel the pain, express it, learn the lesson it has to teach it and then release it. And the second one is to cry. It is so helpful. Tears are the body's release valve for stress, sadness, grief, anxiety, and
0: frustration.
3: Emotional tears shed stress hormones and other toxins that accumulate during stress. That is so important to know that crying is good and healing and healthy. Crying also stimulates the production of endorphins. Did you know that? Crying, when we're so sad, stimulates the feel-good hormones. It's just such a gift that Heavenly Father has given us. So these two are so important. But there's one thing that stands out above them and above all others, and that is that we have to trust that the Savior has suffered all we are suffering and trust that through his atonement, he can and will help us and heal us. I love this quote. There really is light at the end of the tunnel. It is the light of the world, the bright and morning star, the light that is endless, that can never be darkened. It is the very Son of God himself. We need to choose to believe. And this is on the form too. belief begins with choosing the thoughts I will allow into my heart. I loved in 2014 when Elder Clement got spoken in conference and said, as long as we allow Satan access to our heart, and that word allow was so powerful because it teaches us we don't have to allow those negative thoughts. So doubt your doubts. How many times have we heard that? Where do the doubts come from? We like to talk about three main sources of our thoughts. Just our own thoughts, what our spirit's thinking, and then the thoughts from Heavenly Father and from the Holy Spirit and then from our enemy, Satan. So we need to be able to discern the source of our thoughts and ask of each one, is this leading me to faith and belief and healing? So I'm going to do a little experiment with you for just 15 seconds. Write down some words of exactly what you're feeling right now, anything that you're feeling. Just write down whatever comes to mind. Okay, start now. Okay, I'm going to read you something from the book Feeling Good by Dr. David Burns. All your moods are created by your cognitions or thoughts. You feel the way you do right now because of the thoughts you are thinking at this moment. So apparently, that teaches if I want to feel differently, I need to think differently. I need to change my thoughts. If I want to access the healing offered through the atonement of Jesus Christ, I need to choose thoughts that lead me to faith and that keep me close to him. So as was mentioned, I teach the Eternal Warriors course, and something that's so genius about this course, besides helping people get consistent with their prayer and their scripture reading and journaling, do those for sure. But this course teaches how to recognize the source of our thoughts. And secondly, it gives us tools how to cast out the negative, discouraging, depressing thoughts, most of which are lies that we've been believing, and then replace them with positive, uplifting, and inspiring thoughts, the truths about who we are, about why we're here, and whose we are. So the first tool I'm going to share with you is affirmations. These are positive statements spoken in the present tense. And that's one way that we help people learn to change their thoughts is as soon as they recognize a negative thought in their mind, we teach them to recognize it, to call it out, and then refuse to listen to it. And in essence, they say, nope, nope, I recognize you. I'm not going to listen. And then they repeat an affirmation that states the truth about them and about life. So on the form, I've given you several. I read a couple of them. One of them is, I'm a daughter of the God of miracles who loves me. He knows my pain and sends me strength and peace. Another one is, my loved one has a savior and it's not me. My role now is to draw near to my savior and feel his love for me and grow in my ability to follow his counsel and example. Another one, the savior of all mankind is near and will help me. He has felt all I am feeling and helps me carry my burden. One more, I have no need to fear as I seek the guidance of the Spirit of God and continue to align with heaven. So I invite you to choose one or choose a favorite scripture or just write one of your own that states the truth about you and your life and the love that your Heavenly Father and Savior have for you and use it for an affirmation every time that you begin to feel that darkness to send again. And you can get ideas from your patriarchal blessing. There's wonderful things in there. So ask of every thought, is this leading me to faith and belief? And if not, do what my voice teacher keeps telling me to do. She says, choose differently. As I'm learning to sing and I, and I use old habits, she'll just smile at me and she'll say, choose differently. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Tool number two is gratitude. When we're grieving at peace, it can be so hard to think of any blessings that we have. But it's a powerful tool. I know You've heard before that gratitude is the highest vibrational emotion we can have. And boy, do we need some high vibrations when we're grieving. I invite you to make gratitude a part of every day. If you might want to make a whole journal of it, I just add in my daily journaling, I always add something that I'm grateful for. You can do it however you want because it turns your heart toward heaven and away from your problems. And I call this your evidence that you're creating a place to keep evidence that you are loved and that God is aware and is helping you. I was out walking the other night and just as the sun was ready to set and I saw these beautiful clouds and I just thought, we have so many tender mercies Heavenly Father sent us. He didn't need to give us flowers and clouds and beautiful things. He could have given us manna and had us live in a desert and we would have all made it through life. But no, he's given us so many beautiful things And I think as we acknowledge and thank him for it, it blesses us. And also, if you receive a prompting to serve someone, that's a tender mercy because it turns your mind and heart outward, if only for a minute. And don't hesitate. Just do it. I have so many times seen the truth that if I hesitate on an idea to do a service, Satan comes right in and tells me all the reasons why I can't. And then I lose the opportunity. So serving is a way to praise God to show gratitude and to lift your spirits. And I wanted to bring just a little bit in about joy. I I remember President Nelson's (laughs) statement that the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. And I think, I was wondering, how can that be true? when I'm really, really grieving. But I looked up the definition of joy and this helped me. The definition of joy The passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. It's the gratification of a desire or some good possessed or by a rational prospect of possessing what we love or desire. So joy can be future-looking. We can have joy knowing that in the future something will happen and God's promises are real. So that's usually where joy is while we're grieving. If, I, if my child is struggling, my joy is in my Savior and His promise to help and heal. If my marriage is struggling, my joy is in knowing the Lord has promised to sustain me and guide me. He'll take care of me. And if I've lost a loved one, my joy is in the Savior and His promise of reunion. We just have to believe that joy is possible. Okay, tool number three is music. Music is such a gift. Because while we're grieving, we really need to cry, and sometimes we don't want to, I encourage you to make a playlist of songs that help you feel like crying. Music touches our heart and our soul and our brain in ways that nothing else can, and so you can use it to help clear out the pain that's buried deep inside you. David Burns, in his book, counsels people who are grieving to schedule grieving time and I think that's so wise because how many times when you're grieving have you been out in public and all of a sudden the emotions just come over and there you are in a very embarrassing situation but I found it to be true that if I scheduled grieving time played those songs and just cried that then it was less often that that would come out unexpectedly Hillary Hillary Weeks song just let me cry is a perfect one There are so many, so just make playlists for that. And I also encourage you to make playlists for when you need to feel happy or when you need some energy. I have certain songs I like to play when I'm cleaning. They just get me going. But music is just so beautiful. And I always am careful to choose music with uplifting, virtuous words and melodies that invite the spirit. Okay. In Maurice's book, I'm not okay, you're not okay, and that's okay, he talks about the grieving process and how he aligns the process with the 12-step program with grieving and how it helps people turn toward God and how we can use that same program. And step number three is God can help me succeed if I turn my life over to Him. I have to let Him help me. And so I have for my last tool that I am Going to offer you is to align with God. We align by knowing Him, by studying the scriptures, and also by following His prophet. And one very important way to do it is to follow President Nelson's counsel to discover the joy of daily repentance. The last thing we need when we're grieving is to have unresolved things in our lives that distance us from Heavenly Father and from His Spirit and from the cleansing power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. We have enough to grieve without adding the guilt and the shame and the lies that Satan will pour on if we have things in our lives that we need to repent of. So I just I tell people that ask daily. What do I need to repent of? Help me see it. And then make a list. And when you're praying, ask Heavenly Father to help you with it and to forgive you. I remember one time I just felt after... My husband had died, and I just wanted to be so just totally clean. And I could think of all these things that I was ashamed of. And so I just made this list and I asked my bishop if I could come and talk to him. And as I told him what I had done, he said, You probably don't need to read it to me. <laughs> and I started reading and I realized as I started down the list, he was right that Heavenly Father knew. And my bishop said to me, This Savior is so anxious to forgive, He wants to forgive. And so I, from that time on, I just recommend keep making those lists of those things that you want to get rid of and take them to God and receive His forgiveness. It is such a sweet gift. The Savior is near. This is a quote from the Emotional Resilience Manual, and I highly recommend that course. It's so powerful. The Savior loves each of us, our progress is His work and glory. His plan for us is to grow and change until we become like him. He allows us to be challenged. And if we respond in faith, the Lord will strengthen us and help us to grow and become like him. And I love the quote from Elder Orson F. Whitney, no pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we come here to acquire. And I testify that that's true. We knew... We knew when we came that would be hard, and yet we shouted for joy. And here we are, blessed to know each other and blessed to know about the Savior and his plan. I love the story of Esther. She was an orphan girl, and then she had to lose her identity as a Jew, had to leave her cousin who had raised her, lost her relationships with her friends, lost her name changed her name to Esther because she was Hadassah before, she had to do hard things and she trusted in the Lord and when she didn't know what to do, she fasted and asked others to fast with her. You are each here for such a time as this. Heavenly Father knew what the world would be like when he sent us down now and he sent us here because we each have a purpose and God knew we could do this. He will help you choose to trust, choose to believe. I have a friend who was facing something really hard, a big change in her life. And this is what she said Every day's a good day. And some are just better than others. And I thought, that's such a beautiful thought, facing a really hard change. But you know what? We can choose to think that way, choose to think hopes that lead, choose to think thoughts that lead to hope and healing. I listened to Professor Adam Miller on a podcast, and he was saying, our declarations of despair can be seen as part of our religious journey. We don't have to avoid feeling sorrow or mourning or even being filled with despair. It is the case that when we feel that, we need to give it back to God, to express it to God. Despair isn't necessarily the antithesis of faith. It's the raw material for prayer and the stuff out of which our relationship with God is made. When we get in trouble is when we implode and stew in that despair. And we don't make that despair part of our relationship to God. When we feel despair, to whom are we expressing it? If it's to God, we're on the right track. And I love that. There have been times when I've expressed anger to God and I think he's okay. I think he understands that we feel angry sometimes. And he wants us to communicate with him. So each day, each moment, we're showing who and what we choose to let prevail in our mind and in our lives. At this moment, will I choose to let the adversary bring me down to despair and to complaining, to despondency and to stay in victim mode? Or will I choose trust and trust that the Savior is near and will help me and try to think of one thing that I can do to restore order or to show love? Or to show gratitude or to serve and go do it. And then praise the Lord for letting me be alive in this moment. If I'm alive, there must be a reason. It's what I kept saying to myself after that first lot with my husband. And I asked Heavenly Father, help me find the reason. Why am I still alive? And then help me teach me how to live that reason. So one night in the very hardest years, I went downstairs to pray. Our bedroom was on the top floor of our very old three-story home. And each step down to the basement, I just felt deeper and deeper darkness and grief. My marriage was in a shambles. I was failing at pretty much everything. And I didn't know where to turn except to God. So I knelt on the cold, hard, ugly, black tile floor and leaned into the torn couch. And I just told Heavenly Father, I didn't think I could do it any longer. And as I knelt and wept, I felt his answer come and he said, hold on. I will be with you. You can do this. Hold on for one more day. I'm going to play you an inspired song that Michael McLean wrote. So hold on, hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ. Hold on to all that you love and hold on to hope. And you can do this because the Savior has promised to be there with you and help you through it. And I did hold on one day, one hour, sometimes one minute at a time. But he was true to his word. He was with me. And the closer that I drew to him, the more often I felt him and saw him in my life. And I know he will do the same for you. Our prophet has counseled us to seek and expect miracles. So do it. Choose to believe. And choose to invite him to perform whatever miracles it is that you need. In your life that will help you to grieve and help you to heal use the tools aligned with god i pray that you felt something to lift your heart i pray that you know more clearly that god is aware of you and that he will help you grieve completely using tools when they're needed so that you can move forward to hope and healing if he can use me he can use you and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to present today. But as I've prepared, I've found old pockets of grief still inside me. And I've cried them out and been able to learn what they were trying to teach me and what, how they've been holding me back. And then been able to fill those pockets with love and hope and healing. And I pray that you'll be able to do the same thing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rosalyn.
0: Really, we're so grateful. That was so beautiful. Thank you for that. Ladies, we're going to transition. We are so grateful for this webinar series and to have Rosalind here and all the presenters that take their time to share
1: with us. And we're going to move into a Q&A. Yeah, thank you, Karen and Rosalind. Thank you so much for your your message, I've got a couple of questions that I was going to start with with Rosalind. If I could just start with a question or two while we're watching for those to come in the chat, you mentioned you mentioned in the beginning that part of this grief process is acknowledging and expressing the grief. Can you just share a little bit more about that? What does that look like? what would What would we do to acknowledge and express? I know you mentioned, We can express to Heavenly Father, even some of our feelings of anger, but are there other ways we can express and acknowledge grief?
3: Yes. I think, first of all, it requires that we recognize as a culture and help each other recognize that grieving is a necessary process and it's something that we're all going to go through, so it's okay, and that if if you are grieving— and somebody asks how you're doing, it's okay to say, I'm having a hard day and acknowledge that. And we don't always have to say, I'm I'm, I'm good and push push others off because I don't know how often, I don't have statistics on how often when people say, how are you doing? They really want you to tell them. But I think it's more often than we think (laughs) because I know when I'm asking somebody if they're having a hard day, I want to be able to put my arm around them if that's comfortable for them or just say, oh, do you want to talk about it? But acknowledging the fact that we're grieving. And when you have a loss, acknowledging it it to yourself that you're going to need to go through the process. So, all right, I have this loss. It's going to take some work to heal. And I know I don't have time I know i don't want to feel the pain but if i want to live life fully i'm going to have to do that and so just acknowledging okay i'm in it for however long it takes and then just enlist with heavenly father and say i want to do this i want to get through this i want to come out on the other end and be better off for it so that's the acknowledging and then expressing it as i said if somebody asks you and you feel they're a safe person And find some of those in your life. Ask for them. Heavenly Father will send them. They will show up, I promise. But just say, yeah, can I tell you really what I'm feeling today? And then express it. And in those days when you can't find somebody, go to the mirror. Thy mirror is my friend. (laughs) Because I can go and I can just express anger. I can express, you know, just frustration. I can express whatever to the mirror, and that tells my brain, this is what it looks like. It's like, it's like telling my brain what's going on in there. metacognition. I love that word because it sounds so fancy, but all it is, is knowing what's going on in our brain. And if we know what's going on in there, then we can, like David Siegel says, we can name it and tame it and we can actually resculpt our neural pathways so that we're going on thoughts that take us toward hope and healing rather than down to despair. So acknowledge the fact that we all grieve and that somebody you talk to might be grieving and you could be that safe person for them. Acknowledge that when you're grieving, there will be people that you can talk to and always you can go to the savior and then express your grief. Let people know that it's okay. You feel okay with tears. And I feel okay with tears. We just need to, as a culture, we need to be okay with tears. Isn't that a beautiful thing that they actually release endorphins? I just think, whoa, that was a beautiful gift, Heavenly Father.
1: That was one of the new things I heard today that I loved about tears. So I loved that you shared that. It was, I was thinking of my son who was having some tears last night as a friend of his leaves this morning for a mission and he spent the day with him and i just and so bad he didn't want to have those and so now i've got something to share with him about why that's a great thing so thank you here's another couple of questions Rosalind, and thank you for putting them in the chat it says thank you for sharing your story what's the best way to recognize that someone else is grieving And to let them know it's okay and that you support them. Or how can you help others allow us to grieve? It seems like we're in a hurry up and be happy culture.
3: For sure. That's so true. Oh, one of the things that I pray for is for more empathy. And I think that's one thing that we can do is to just pray for empathy and the spirit of discernment so that when we are mingling with people around us, the spirit can whisper to us, this person could use some help. You know, this person could use a hug or a smile or whatever. So that's one idea. And then to speak openly about those kind of things, to not hide when you are having a hard time. And I'm praying, I was in a situation where somebody Talked about how somebody had changed, and the person said, "Well, I just allowed people to love me," and I think that's kind. Of, that's sometimes a hard thing, because if you allow people to love you, you're allowing the possibility of pain, right? But as we become more open to those around us, I think they will sense that we can be a safe place, and then they will. I believe that Heavenly Father leads us to the people that we need to be led to, especially as we ask for it. So, you see, is your seat is. You're seeking people that you could be safe with. Also be praying that you can be that safe person for them. In your families, talk about grief and how it's it's a good thing. Grieving is good as long as we follow the process and get to the end and turn it over to God. So I don't know if those, did that answer the question? Super. Thank you, Rosalind. Okay,
1: and then another question. You spoke about pockets of grief, and you even mentioned those that you said you were preparing to share a message, and I think we all have them. What work do we do to acknowledge them and help help them to heal? You've mentioned some lots of things today, but any additional thoughts?
3: Well, one thing is, I don't know if you've ever. <clears throat> excuse me, when you've been praying, you start to feel that tightness in your throat and you know it's like, oh, that feels like I'm going to cry. And you swallow it and you keep going and you don't let it happen. I believe, I read scientific studies that when we have an emotion and we don't express it, it finds a place to lodge in the body. And then those can create illnesses later on and problems. And so that's what I'm referring to when I say pockets of grief. It's times that I experienced something where I was shamed or where I was devastated or whatever. And I was not in a place where I knew what to do with it. And so I stuffed it. And so every once in a while, a little memory would come up. And like, as I was doing this, I realized As I was thinking about, like, when I was a little girl, I realized how hard that was for me. And that just, there was more there to grieve. And so it came out. What I meant by that was just those little times that we've stuffed an emotion and it's still in there waiting to come out. And we can let it out as we do the grief work, as we go through the steps that I suggest in my book and the things that we've talked about today. Even just doing those can help bring those up. And then remember what Dr. Miller said give it to God. That's what we do with it. We, we make it part of our relationship with God. This is what I'm feeling. I need your help. Please take it as I express it. Thank you, Raslin. Okay, here's another insight
1: and question. Thank you so much for opening your heart to us. It helps us to see others doing so. It's very vulnerable stealing, but it is such a superpower. And the question is, I was slow to get my worksheet printed out. Would you please review the grief-defined statements so I can fill those in and have those?
3: Yeah. Okay, so grief is—do you want me to just read it? Sure. Grief is our emotional, physical, spiritual, and intellectual response to loss— is the overwhelming involvement of all our senses to deprivation. Thank you, Rosalyn.
1: Okay, thank you so much for your questions. It means a lot to have you send them in. So thanks for taking time to do that. My husband had a stroke last year and now has cognitive challenges. I am now responsible for his medical care, appointments, medicines, driving in addition to all the household management, finances, etc. He has great anxiety and panics when I'm not nearby. I am so grateful that he is still with me. But how can I take time to grieve
3: the loss of who my husband was? So, oh, I am so sorry. I can only imagine that's what I thought I would be facing at first when I went to the hospital for my first husband with that. i just be the caretaker. And I can just imagine the weight that you're carrying, and I'm so sorry. Just remember a talk in a conference about somebody who was in a similar situation and how the only way she got through it was turning to the Savior and every day asking for his help. And I'm sorry I don't have the, the specific talk in mind, but... You want to email me, I'll see if I can find it and get that for you. But taking it's not so much taking the time to grieve, I don't consider it a time taking thing as much as a willingness to be vulnerable and to allow the pain and to express it. So, whenever I would, I would certainly recommend that some of that scheduled grieving time. That Dr. Burns suggests because that is so helpful. And writing, write a lot, that helped me so much. Writing is very cleansing and it can help you be very clear about exactly what emotions you're feeling because the more specific you are about the emotions, the easier it is to name and tame them and create a better response for them. And we have actually an Eternal Warriors mentor who's in a similar situation that I could recommend that you talk to. Kelly is so so beautiful to listen to. So I would recommend you reach out to her, and I can give you her contact information. Thank
1: you, Roslyn. And Roslyn, do you use something like some kind of a tool? Or I, I know sometimes we think emotions—sad, bad, happy—or or you know, sad or happy. Do you use something that helps you to be able to? look at lots of emotions or identify them or name them
3: yes there's a thing called the emotions wheel it's online you can just google emotions wheel this is so helpful because it gives you all the basic emotions and then as you go out it gives you some more specific Once, And you can just look and say, okay, I'm feeling anger. What else am I feeling? Oh, frustration. Oh. And it just helps me to say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I want to feel instead. I'm going to change it by, you know, doing something. So that tool is very helpful. This one is based on nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg.
1: Thank you. All right. Another question. What do you do when grief wrecks your body? I think I am overly emotional, but grief has almost killed me due to extreme health challenges that come as a result of grief. And she can elaborate if needed there, but...
3: Oh, I'm so sorry. I understand. Oh, I remember one night just shaking in my bed and just thinking that could I live through this, you know? And I understand, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but my first go-to is always prayer. And I express to Heavenly Father everything I'm feeling and everything I need him to do, because he knows my body, he knows what's happening in it. And I don't, I just understand the pain I'm feeling. And so I ask him for specific guidance. I really believe he loves us enough to give us specific guidance as we as we become vulnerable and submissive and humble. I try to encourage people to do as much self-care as possible, even if it's just first thing in the morning looking in the mirror and smiling and saying I love you and I'm going to do what I can to take care of you today. Drink more water. Oh, I met a a world-renowned scientist, and he said if people would drink more water, there would be far less depression. He said dehydration mimics depression and the symptoms of depression. And so he just said, I wish people would just drink so much more water. And I thought, that's easy. That's a simple thing. But that's something to get your your chemicals kind of back in, in sync. And But I wish I had a really easy answer but prayer is the first thing because i believe that when we ask he can give us ideas and just one little answer at a time it's probably going to come baby step baby steps one step line upon line right but seek healing and believe in it choose to believe that he will help you heal and then follow up on every impression that you get to care for your body oh if i had your name i'd add you to my prayer list (laughs) I'll pray for that woman who asked the question.
1: Thank you, Rosalind. Okay, maybe we've got time for one more question before we have you and Karen just share some final thoughts. Well, I'm gonna try and sneak to in here. Is that you I think you mentioned something about you can even grieve good things like people leaving to go on a mission. That's on my mind this morning with my cute and sweet neighbor. Is that a is that a thing? And and how can we acknowledge that because sometimes like right, how can you grieve at such a a good thing
3: oh of course you can grieve because there's now this hole in your heart they've been such a part of your life and it's gone they're gone i remember after my daughter left on her mission i made the mistake of going into her bedroom oh don't do that don't do that for like a month and it just hit me that that Beautiful influence in my life was gone and gone for 18 months. And that's a feeling of grief. Yes, of course we will grieve that and we'll go through the process. It's not going to be like the shock and the trauma, but it's going to be the same. Our body releases those hormones of grieving, the stress hormones they're called. And so we need to help the process by doing those things that we've talked about. But yes, we can grieve good things. It's
1: just a good reminder to have permission,
3: right? <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Okay. And just let me sneak this last question. And I think lots of us are in this. Oh, and then Karen will hand it to you. Let's see. Several of my family members and children are not choosing the gospel and the Savior. This, this circumstance has caused a lot of grief.
3: Any, any additional thoughts there, Roslyn? I empathize. And the thing that has helped me so much is I'm trying to think who told me. Well, that saying, this person has a savior and it's not me. And my role right now is to be as close to the savior as I can so that as these loved ones take their journey, they always see the joy I get in the gospel, that the gospel, living the gospel, brings goodness and joy into my life. And I can't change them. I don't want to change them. They have their own journey. God's on it with them. I trust them, and I trust my Heavenly Father that He has a plan for them. And I know His plan isn't for me to to grieve all the time because of things that others have chosen. His plan is for me to find joy in the gospel to serve others, and to try to maintain the relationship if you can. If they allow it, do all you can to show love. I just love, I just love the people in my life. And, of course, if I could make things different, I, I might do so. But thank goodness that's not my job. I, my job is to love. And so it's been a huge education in how to love. And it's beautiful. I love the fact that I can still love and be involved with and share life with these people. So I hope that helps. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you so much, Rosalind. You know, I was just thinking when you ask us to write down what are you consider what you're grieving right now. You ask us to write that down on our papers. I would imagine that all of us wrote down more than one thing because you said It's not just like something super obvious, like you think, you know, there's something we can all be grieving all the time, like there's something we can identify that isn't going the way we expected or that we've lost, that we can't get back, so many things. And so that was really special to me that you ask us to do that because it helped me to clearly identify just in my own life and have some more self-compassion right there, right? Because a lot of times I just think we think, oh, we just keep marching along. We just keep doing our best, right? Just keep doing it. We just keep moving along. But so much healing can happen in our lives when we acknowledge what needs to be seen with some self-compassion. And so that was just really special and sacred to me that you did that, because as I looked at my list, I thought, well, of course I'm feeling like this. Of course, whenever I think about these things, that is frustrating, discouraging, painful, right? But so I think we often lean into choosing hope is just acting happy, Pretending none of that exists, right? Yeah. And we are so full, right, in our day, so full of stuff to do all the time. There's always something we could do to numb ourselves, distract ourselves, or go get busy doing. And so, I also loved your message of, you know, that doing whether you're doing it along the way and just being you're having an awareness of it and allowing yourself. With some self compassion to to grieve and to be cared for in the human experience you're having. Or if you schedule to take time to take care of yourself, to grieve and to acknowledge, what am I grieving right now? Just write those things down, not like I'm going to write all about them and they're going to make me so depressed for days. You know, it's just, no, this is a healthy place that I'm purposely and intentionally bringing out so that I can also have this, you know, heaven's help, right, in this healing. That's what you invited us to do was if you make it more available, something we learned a lot about in Mothers You Know and our bomb power training and the different resources we have is that, yeah, being available is key for us to access the power of the atonement. And it's through the negative, hard things in our lives that we are more susceptible to the adversary telling us so many lies and trying to make us so much more miserable in difficult things. And so since your example of saying, write them down, proved to hopefully not just me, but lots of us, there are lots of things we're grieving right now right? This was a very timely lesson for any woman that's here, unless she's an alien and not a human. (laughs) No, I I just think for sure we all can say, yep, that is part, I, I am grieving. And so I just, I'm excited we have your presentation and that will be something recorded that people can go and learn from and listen to over and over again. And I know that Rosalyn agreed to share her slides with us as well, and those will be in the show notes of our podcast that this will be posted on. So yeah, you will definitely get the recording in your email because you're registered, but you can also point people to the podcast that will probably be posted this Thursday at the latest. So thank you, Rosalyn. I am so, so grateful. For what you shared today and I'm, I'm thankful for my personal experience
3: thank you so much I am so so grateful that you asked me to do this I didn't want to do this <laughs> it scared me and, I, and I, I just didn't think I had time but Heavenly Father just showed up and made help things come together I love the name of this series Stay by the Tree I love that Having that daily, hourly fruit of the Spirit strengthen us, I just think is the most important thing we can do. It is the most important thing we can do Just stay connected with Christ. and I just recommend that we all feast on the fruit. Feast, really feasting. And making as much time as possible to be in the Scriptures. I have... We have what we call our armor music that we play every morning while we're showering and getting dressed. And it's the free, it's awesome. I think it's in the resources. You can get the BYU Men's Chorus CD, a whole CD free online. You can just download it and listen to that beautiful music every day, just filling your heart with hope and truth. Keep then one thing, just keep asking. What can I let go of? What do I need to repent of? What can I? Because being clean feels so good, and we need to feel so good when we're grieving. So, just trust, trust Christ, and ask Him each day. What can I do today to complete my grieving? When you have something that you're grieving, and you'll get another idea. Do it. Just keep doing those things. I love the line upon line preset because it tells me nothing has to be hard. I can just be. It can be uncomfortable. It sure, is uncomfortable, but it's not hard. We can do it. Yes. Just, thank you so much. And Rosalind, before we go to BJ, I just think
0: I'm just going to ask you to share this message of hope. Another one. Because I think it's so sweet. And it's been really sweet for me to watch, you know, because I met you when you were single. Right? <laughs> and so it's just I think one of your messages of hope is to, you know, share. Just, yeah, how many years were you single and how you, you know, meeting your husband and just to hear that the thing I love to hear about Rosalind whenever I get any detail about her life is what you just heard her say, yeah, in the morning, me and my husband were the only ones here, but we play this music really loud and it gets us ready for the day, you know, while we're getting ready. Like, that's just, it's just been a beautiful thing to notice that, yeah. That you were, you know, that that's a message of poke too, is that, you know, there is sorrow. That's a real thing. And there's pain, and it will always be a, a thing. It's real. It's happened, right? It's going to be part of our story. But there's also so much joy that comes, right? And... So would you just mind sharing that? I'm sure a lot of people might be a little bit curious about that. So is she married? Oh, yeah, she has that family. And it said at the beginning,
3: but it's just fun. And women love that kind of stuff.
0: Okay.
3: Well, after my first husband died, my mom, who had—my my father had had a stroke that kept him in bed, incommunicado, for 10 years. And then he, find, he passed away. And a few years later, my mom met a man that she'd gone to elementary school with, and she married him. And so, for the last years of her life, she had companionship. And after my first husband died, she would always say, I wish you could find a companion like me. And then she had a stroke and needed hospice care. And so, she came to my home. And the hospice nurse who cared for her one day said to me, You know, when he's ready you need to meet my brother-in-law because my sister just passed away and i think you two have a lot in common and it turned out to be that mom brought a husband into my life because i had told heavenly father no 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 i'm good <laughs> i don't need marriage again I was, i've done that i just want to be a mom and a grandma this is too happy for me so it took a lot of time for heavenly father to encourage me but one day i was out walking and I felt the voice say, this is a gift I want to give you, but you have to learn to love. And so knowing that Heavenly Father was in on it, opened my heart to the thought of, okay, I can I can talk to this person, <laughs> maybe go out with him. <clears throat> it turned out that he just was a good man. And Heavenly Father brought him into my life. And he's taken the Eternal Warriors course with me. And he loves the program. He says it's the first time in his life he's ever been, con- what do you call it? Okay. You- oh, But when you do something every day, what's that word? His stint comes (laughs) In his scriptures and his writing and his journaling. And he lives the principles. It just is such a beautiful thing. And I am so grateful because after my first husband died, my state president said, this does not have to define you. There's hope and joy ahead. And so I clung to that. And it's been more than I can ever. I have more gratitude than I can ever express for all the blessings that I have. So thank you, Rosalyn. Thank you so much. Okay, BJ,
1: you're on. Yes, we appreciate you. Just lots of gratitude for you coming and sharing your good heart, Rosalind, with us today. And as just one tiny thing to put in here and as we were meeting with Rosalind before we started today, we were just saying, Rosalind, you're so amazing and awesome. And she just said, do you know who is? the Savior is, and and that she just wants so much to point to Him, and that's been so obvious with what she shared today. Thank you so much, Rosalyn. And you are wonderful as well. All right, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We love you and love that you are here today.
0: Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. The like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothers, dot LCS or search for mothers, you know, and on Instagram username at mothers underscore, Who you know last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at motherswhoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at know at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.